Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. You know, I do want to talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about heaven. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Now, you have a great deal of understanding and knowledge from your time of reading the Bible and hearing uh, Sunday school lessons and sermons on heaven. Heaven is one of my favorite subjects. I've studied a lot about what the Bible has to say about heaven. Some people say, well, you know, we shouldn't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Uh, my, My philosophy is, or my belief is, that if we're not heavenly minded, we won't be any earthly good. Heaven is our destination. Heaven is, is that place that God has prepared for us. Uh, heaven is our home. Uh, and and we're, we're focused on heaven. We're advancing toward heaven. Um, you know, we live in the light of eternity. And so it's important for us, I think, to understand all we can understand about heaven. And the Bible gives us a great deal of understanding about heaven, but the Bible has this caveat when it comes to what it says about heaven. And the caveat is this, that eye is not seen, ear is not heard, and neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, the Bible says, whatever you can understand about heaven from the word of God, it doesn't even scratch the surface of the reality of what heaven is and what heaven will be like for those who are saved and those who go to heaven. Uh, And so the Bible itself says, well, you've got information here in the word of God about heaven, but it didn't even scratch the surface of the reality. But what the Bible does tell us about heaven is glorious, is it not? And wonderful. And, And so tonight from John chapter 14, the first three verses. This is just a little bit of of, uh, just a few hours before Jesus would go to the cross. Uh, He spent some time with his disciples, of course, in the upper room where he instituted the Lord's Supper, where he had that time with his his disciples. They've left the upper room and they're on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, It is, you know, it's um, late on Thursday night, early on Friday morning of that Holy Week. And Jesus is, is teaching his disciples. And the disciples were noticeably upset with some of the things in, that Jesus had said in the upper room and some of the things that he did. Jesus took a bowl of water and washed their feet. And then Jesus made the announcement to them that one of them was going to betray him. And then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, jumped up and he, he left the room without anybody knowing why that he left the room. They speculated that Jesus had told him to go provide something for somebody poor or something like that. They didn't know he was off to, um, to betray Jesus. And so there was a lot of troubling, th- and the, the atmosphere around Jesus between Jesus and the disciples was was just totally different during those hours. Jesus knew that their heart was troubled. He said in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. I love word studies. The word troubled is a picture word. You know, there are some words in the Bible that paint a picture. They don't really have a definition, 
but they paint a picture. And the word translated trouble paints a picture of rough waves from the sea crashing onto the rocks of the shore. Just rough, stormy waves crashing onto the, the, the uh, rocks of the shore. A, a tumultuous thing going on. And their hearts, were, their hearts were rolling. The disciples, you know, they knew something was up. They knew something was about to happen. And their hearts were troubled by what had been said and the things that they had seen. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, as we would say in South Georgia, and I ain't lying. <laughs> I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where, where you go, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Heaven is a very permanent theme in the Bible. Heaven is mentioned over 600 times in the Bible. And you know, over the years, there have been a lot of books written about heaven. There have been movies, you know, depicting people going to heaven or, or, or you know, people who said they have gone to heaven and they come back, you know, they, and they, they give a description of things. And, you know, there have been a lot of books, a lot of movies made about heaven uh, and we've watched some of those things. Some of the theology of the movies didn't jive with the Bible, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Bible guy, so that's the, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And that's how I look at it. But here's the important thing to remember. The only reliable source about heaven that we have is the Bible. I mean, if you want to know about heaven, then you don't have to turn to a book where a four-year-old said he went to heaven and he came back. You don't have to turn to that. You can turn to the Word of God, to the Bible. And so the only reliable source that tells us the, what heaven is like is the Bible. Now, there's a lot of you know, beliefs about heaven. There are a lot of you know, claims uh, that people have about heaven. You know, they, they do these surveys every now and then. Do you, you know, they'll survey people and ask them, do you believe in heaven? And you know, a vast majority of people, the majority of people surveyed will say, yes, we believe in heaven. Then they'll ask them, do you believe in hell? And a very small majority, will, or a very small number, not a majority, will say, yeah, we, 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 you know, we believe in hell. The Bible, of course, obviously teaches about both. Um, but how, do you, how are you ready for heaven? What Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the most hated biblical doctrine there is, is the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a fancy word that simply means this. The most hated doctrine outside of the true Christian church in America today is this, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That is the most hated doctrine. You know, the world will accept Christianity as long as it's not biblical. The world will embrace Christianity as long as it's not biblical. My belief is the Bible is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. 
and from front to back, first word to the last word, it is God's word to us. That's what the Bible claims of itself. That's what I believe the Bible is. I believe the, the Bible is authority for what we believe and how we behave. It is the sole authority for what we believe and how we behave. And, and, and the Bible is the truth of God. It is God's truth to us. And so when you read, you know, that verse where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The world hates that. Because the world says there's not just one way to God, but there's many ways to God. They'll say, you know, there's not just one road that goes to Atlanta. You can take many roads to get to Atlanta. I had a person tell me that one time. And in a flash of inspiration, my response was, yeah, but Atlanta ain't heaven. <laughs> Not by any means. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that means if you want to go to heaven, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to accept him as your Savior, and you have to accept him as your Lord. And you have to be saved. You have to be born again. You have to give your life to Christ. Uh, and that, that's a doctrine that is not received by the world. It's hated by the world. The world's hatred will be directed at you if you believe that, if you preach that, if you proclaim that. Jesus is the only way. You know, you want to be ready for heaven? Trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And that's a truth we die on. That's the truth we die for. That's the truth we defend. That's the truth of God. Here's what I'm, I'm sensing and feeling in my heart. The day of persecution of Christians in America is quickly coming. The day when we have to make a choice. We're either going to compromise and go along with the world and get along with the world and save ourselves from trouble and from attacks and, and, and from you know, the things that we can face as Christians. We can water down the Bible, water down the scriptures. We can turn away from, you know, biblical truth and to, you know, to try to get along with the world. Or we can stand on biblical truth and pay a price for it. We're going to have to stand on biblical truth. We're going to have to. We're going to have to. Uh, first of all, it's right. Right? Stand on biblical truth. And second of all... It, it, it also is the basis for any kind of message that people can receive and hear that if they believe, they'll go to heaven. Jesus is the only way. In John 14, 3, Jesus talks about the reality of heaven. Is heaven real? Yes. Now, heaven is in a different dimension from where we are. We live in the earthly dimension. Heaven is in a spiritual dimension. But just because heaven is in a different dimension from where we are doesn't mean it's not real. Heaven is just as real as this pulpit. Heaven is a real place, a reality. And in John 14, 3, Jesus refers to heaven as a place. The original word is the word topos. You know, every now and then you'll look at a map and it'll show the topography of the land. 
But topography, they'll show the hills, you know, it'll picture the hills and the rivers and the valleys and the streams, the different, different kind of things that you'll find on the land. The word topos is a word that means a real place. Heaven is not a myth, it's not a fable, it's not a fantasy. Heaven is a real place. Sometimes the Bible refers to heaven as a country. As a country. That speaks of the vastness of heaven. Sometimes the Bible refers to heaven as a city. It speaks of buildings, streets, residence, and activity. Sometimes the Bible refers to heaven as a kingdom, which speaks of heaven's organization, of its government. In John 14, 2, Jesus referred to heaven as the Father's house. The daddy's, our daddy's house. I always think about my dad's house, the house I grew up in. My, my dad's house, it was, not a, it was not a mansion. It was not a fancy thing. It was, you know, it was a regular house, but it was a, it was a place of joy. It was a place of fullness. It was a place of love. It was a place of laughter. It was, it was a place where I never felt like I was in want or in need of anything. The Father's house speaks of the joy of heaven, the intimacy of heaven, the laughter of heaven. Had many a good time in my daddy's house growing up. The love of heaven, the fellowship of heaven, uh, the fellowship we'll have with God and with each other in heaven. So Jesus speaks of the reality of heaven. Now, where is heaven? Well, the Bible says that heaven is up. That's what the Bible says. Heaven is in a realm and a dimension of reality that is invisible to the human eye. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And so heaven is in a dimension that we can't see. But the Bible often speaks of heaven as being up. Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, the Bible says he took that little boy's McDonald's meal, you know, with the fish and the bread. And the Bible says he looked up to heaven and he blessed it and broke the bread. In John 17, 1, as Jesus began his high priestly prayer, the Bible says he lifted up his high eyes to heaven and he began to pray. In Luke 24, verses 50 and 51, the Bible says that Jesus lifted his hands, blessed them, and it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And so throughout the Bible, the Bible speaks of heaven as being up. It's up there somewhere. It's in a different dimension. It's not in the earthly dimension. There's no road from here to heaven that, you know, physical road you can take. Heaven is up. And, you know, some years ago, scientists discovered that in our, in our universe, in the Milky Way, there is a, a, a portion of the Milky Way in the northern part as the Earth is situated north of the Earth in the Milky Way, in the northern hemisphere, there's a vast area of the Milky Way that is empty. No stars are visible. Just a vast, empty space. In fact, they say it's the, it is the biggest 
location in the universe, this, this vast area of emptiness. Could it be? Could it be? That is the location of heaven. Now, eventually, heaven will come to earth in the new heaven and the new earth. See, right now there's a separation between the earth and heaven, right? Heaven is up here, we're down here. But in the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be no separation. Heaven and earth will be together, will be the same. And earth will be just as much as heaven as heaven is on earth, eventually in the new heaven and the new earth. So who's in heaven? God's in heaven, amen. God's in heaven. The Bible speaks of heaven as being God's holy habitation. It's the home of heaven. It's the home of God, the base of operations uh, for, for God. The Bible says Jesus is in heaven. He ascended into heaven. And he now appears in the presence of God on behalf of his people. The Bible says the holy angels of God are in heaven. In Revelation 5, 11, and 12, here's what John said. John said, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. He's speaking of heaven. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, the word thousands is the word myriad. You've heard that. I've got a myriad aches in my back. You know, we, we use that word sometimes. Well, the word myriad is a word that was used in ancient times to describe something that couldn't be numbered. In other words, John said, when I looked and I saw around the throne, there were myriads and myriads and myriads and myriads of angels. You couldn't number them if you started and went to eternity trying to count them. So the angels are in heaven. The Bible says the saved and the redeemed of God of all the ages are in heaven. So praise God that, you know, the, my mom and dad are in heaven. I have no doubt of that, about that. They were good Christian people. And they love the Lord and they, they instilled their faith in me, demonstrated their faith in me, communicated their faith to me. And um, I know one of these days I'm going to be gathered to my people. Have you ever read that in the Bible? So-and-so died and he was gathered to his people. Well, where's he gathered at? In the presence of God. One of these days I'm going to be gathered to my people to my family who are in heaven and to my loved ones. Now see, here's what's going to happen. And this is, this is sanctified imagination. We'll close with this. This is sanctified imagination. See, one of these days, Brother Chris is going to leave this old world. And, and there's, there's going to be an announcement over the PA system of heaven. And the announcement's going to be this. Oh, how are you attention, please? Oh, how are you attention, please? Chris Hall is now arriving at the Eastern Gate by Pearl Street with Lamar and Lucille Hall. Please go to that gate and meet their son. <laughs> then I'm going to walk through that gate and there's going to be mom and dad. Daddy will say, well, hello, son. Mom will say, hey, Chrissy. <laughs> hey. And I'm going to say, oh, it's so good to see you. And I, I'm going to say, well, let's talk a while now. Nope. Nope. We don't have time for that. We'll have time later. Right now, we got to show you something. 
They're going to take me by the hand, lead me down Pearl Street, over Silver Avenue, down uh, Wonderful Boulevard, <laughs> take me to the, to, the, to the center of heaven, and they're going to say, we got to show you something. There's Jesus. Because that's what heaven is all about. If Jesus were not in heaven, heaven would not be heaven. That which makes heaven heaven is Jesus. And I'll see Jesus. Heaven is a real place. Now, what motivation should that be for us in this old world? We live in a nasty world. We shouldn't, you know, we should be ready to go to heaven, trusting in Jesus. But we also should understand that God is going to leave us here as long as he wants to leave us here. And we have a mission that is to love him and to live for him. Right. To love him and to live for him until he's ready to take us home. And so my prayer is to the Lord. Lord, I pray that as long as I live in this world, that you'll give me health, you'll give me strength so that I can do whatever I can do with whatever avenue, whatever instrument, whatever opportunity, availability I have to speak a word of truth, to represent you in this world and to lift you up in this world. I want to, I want to cross my finish line here in this world more in love with Jesus than when I started, fully in, on fire for him. Because heaven is great and heaven is wonderful and heaven is going to be our home for all eternity. But until we get there, we need to live faithful for the Lord here. To love him and to live for him here and to represent him here and, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ here in this world. And when the Lord gets ready to take us home, guess what? He'll take us home. All right. And that'll be all right, too. And uh, they will have all eternity with no separation, no death, nor anything. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, Stay safe and may God bless you.